Virginity does not exist. Let's start there. Virginity is a social construct designed to shame women into not having sex or into having sex. Hello to our beautiful To Be Honest listeners. Just a trigger warning that in today's episode, we do talk briefly about death. So if this is something that's triggering for you, please look in the episode notes so that you can see the time frame uh, that you should skip in today's episode. All right, let's get into it. Hello and welcome back. If you think we're not keeping that in <laughs> as the intro for this episode, you're entirely wrong. Entirely incorrect. That is staying in the edit and don't you dare cut it out (laughs) okay hello and welcome back to to be honest podcast my name is Kara, and my name is amanda and i am about to quit this podcast to begin a music career (laughs) (laughs) as you should hon (laughs) so first of all thank you for the great feedback on last week's episode about korea if you haven't listened to last week's episode about korea i'm just thinking about that dm we got that someone who couldn't understand our accents said that they thought we were saying korea as in korea the place look here's the thing when i read that message out I realized how similar it does sound. Yeah. <laughs> let me Especially. let me say let me say the country. Yeah. Korea. Let me say the word about jobs. Korea. It sounds the same. It sounds the same <laughs> in an Australian accent. So look, um sorry if you don't understand us. We actually weren't talking about the country for the whole episode. <laughs> um but you know, nothing against Korea. No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Thank you for all the amazing feedback. Once again, really happy if we could provide like any sort of like comfort because yeah. we had a lot of people who were like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life either. And we're like, well, thanks. We're all in this together. Yeah. <laughs> so for today's episode, we decided we wanted to do something a little different and we're going to try and do these episodes like maybe once every month to six weeks. And it's basically going to be a whole episode of unprofessional opinions. Since we started this podcast, we've been getting so many questions of like, things that people want unprofessional opinions on or things that people would like us to cover in a podcast episode and they might be things that we couldn't cover in a whole episode but we want to do these ones where we just talk about a whole bunch of random things that maybe you guys are going through uh, and we can just talk about them and talk about our own experiences as well. Yeah and with that being said it could also you know make you realize that you really want an episode on a whole episode on one of these kind of topics so Mm. let us know if you particularly connect with any of these uh, obviously as always let us know your thoughts and yeah like let, let, I reckon just let's get into it let's get into it hun what have you got for me so someone asked what are your thoughts on being attracted to types looks and personality wise mm. and I thought this was a really interesting question because I know for me I don't really think I have a type to be honest right but I know you do yeah but the thing is that like I have a type but I don't really date my type what's your type like if we're talking like aesthetically my type is like a surfy looking blonde tanned dude (laughs) why are you laughing (laughs) because I just feel like it's like I'm describing half of the men on the Gold Coast when I say that you've also dated so many surfers yeah well that's true I have I don't know why you're saying that (laughs) You don't date your type. The thing is, is your type is also gross men. Let's move on. (laughs) Here's the thing. I had this really great moment in therapy, like maybe a couple of months ago, where I was talking to my therapist about how... What? what? It took us four minutes to mention therapy. (laughs) I I actually had therapy the other day. And uh, I don't know if we've mentioned that Cara and I have the same therapist, but we do. Mm. And I was mentioning to my therapist, our therapist, because she obviously knows both myself and Kara well. And I was like, by the way, we started a podcast and we did a whole episode on therapy. And she was like, that's amazing. (laughs) She was so stoked about it. It was really, really cool. But my point is I had this great therapy session where I talked about the fact that I didn't feel like I was anyone's type, right? Because this is like this whole identity thing, which we're going to do a whole episode on identity at some point down the track. But I said to her, I don't think I'm anyone's type. And then she said, okay, but like, tell me about all the different types of people that you've dated. And I described to her all these different people that I've dated and realized that 
everyone is like so different in their own way and she was like so you're telling me that you're not anyone's type even though you attracted all of these different types of people and I think that's why now even though like I have a typical type that I'm like generally attracted to it definitely doesn't dictate who I date and who I don't date no I think probably for most people a type is just kind of like a funny little thing that you'd say because the thing is is like I I don't know many people who you know if they only date tall dark men Mm. that they're not going to date a shorter guy with blonde hair Mm. if they met him and really liked him like yeah I don't know many people who would just like stick to their type. I don't understand yeah. why you would ever do that, to be honest. But yeah, I, I don't think I have a type. Mm. My type is no men at all. <laughs> That's my type. <laughs> my type is a non-existent man. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if I think back at all the people I've been on dates with, I don't think there's really a common denominator. <laughs> no, that's the thing though. It's kind of cool. Like being in your 20s and dating is like really fun and dating lots of different people is really fun as well. So I think that, I don't know, with this question, you and I are people who aren't really like defined by like types and things like that, but I guess it's kind of a cool conversation starter. <laughs> I, have, I have an interesting question. What do you think if, if someone was going to be dating us, mm. what do you think we would be in terms of types? That's what I find so confusing. Like this is what I was saying to my therapist. Like I don't understand what type of person I am like at all. I think that I'm the really hot, really funny, really cool but kind of ridiculous girl. <laughs> you are very ridiculous, hon. You're not gonna you're not gonna mention any other ones. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you would just be the very like optimistic type, like obviously like beachy, mm. very, I don't know, sweet. <laughs> I guess. You have a girl next door kind of like, vibe. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. If yeah. only we had a hot neighbour. Anyway, I think at the end of the day, types it's not necessarily like a bad thing nor is it necessarily a good thing. I think that you can't really control who you're attracted to. Mm. And that's why we do kind of naturally tend to, over time, create like a pattern of who we go for. Mm. Whether that's a good pattern or a bad pattern is a different story. Yes. She's eyeballing me across the table. I'm also eyeballing myself, if I'm honest. (laughs) Um, That's it. I feel like we kind of went off track. Yeah. Hopefully we answered it. (laughs) Okay. here's Here's another one adjacent to dating Mm -hmm. do you believe men and women can ever be just friends without the thought of ever being more yes okay i think yes but with a little tiny disclaimer Mm. that says helps if they have a girlfriend or you have a boyfriend yeah i do agree with that yeah Mm. so yes i think that men and women can just be friends and that's because i have like some close male friends and Probably my closest male friend is actually my ex-boyfriend and we were friends. We dated for two years and now we've been broken up for about seven years and he's one of my best friends in the world. And, you know, sometimes people say things to me like, oh, you guys will end up together, like blah, 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 things like this. But I genuinely am like, we are just friends. I think for me, I have had a lot of close guy friends growing up. And I think that is different as well because we grew up together. It was very different, very different circumstances. I feel like when, like I literally looked at them like they were my brothers. Like I would never Mm. go there. I love them, but I would never, ever, ever go there. And Mm. I don't think they would ever go there with me either. (laughs) So it's it's just funny because like I think as an adult, I naturally, I'm a girl's girl, so I naturally... Uh, gravitate towards female friendships Mm. I'm sure it's possible oh it definitely is and I think for me there used to be a huge barrier of like I thought that I couldn't be friends with men without feeling some type of way about them since I moved to the Gold Coast I feel like I have met a lot more men and made more male friendships like I used to live with a guy and then I also had a friend that I knew from the UK who stayed with me for a little while and at the start I genuinely thought that both of these things were bizarre that I was gonna like live with a man and then that I had a friend staying with me who was a man who like I wasn't dating and there was nothing going on there and it's kind of bizarre I feel like I am kind of conditioned to believe that if I'm close to a guy that I am 
supposed to be attracted to him if that makes sense like I think you know like one of my closest guy friends I literally went through these like three months where like I thought that maybe he was the love of my life because I was like we get along so well like what maybe I'm supposed to date him maybe I'm supposed to be with him and I thought that that was the case just because I love him so much and I'm so close to him but I think that's more to do with a you getting in your own head Mm. and b the fact that we are kind of taught that men and women if, if you're that close with a man, why can't you just be together? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's what I think was going through my head at the time was, well, if we're this close, like I've always been taught to believe that if I love someone this much and I'm so close with them, then it should be a romantic relationship mm. while, rather than a platonic relationship. But now, like, I know that it's, like, strictly pl- platonic. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. It's just a matter of, I guess, like, you you definitely shouldn't, not seek out male slash female like friendships of the opposite sex Mm. because you're worried about this like that's not something you should be worried about Mm. but i do think if you are a heterosexual person and they're a heterosexual person Mm. and you're the opposite sex Mm. there's obviously a chance that that closeness can develop into something more yeah so true so it's kind of hard to say because I guess, like, like, like I was saying, it's totally possible. But it's just, I don't know, I guess it's kind of like not that common, really. Yeah, and a lot of my friendships with men have turned into something else. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, to think about? It is really interesting. I would love to hear the perspective of someone who's a part of the LGBTIQ plus community mm. because obviously you and I don't have the experiences as two people women who identify as straight we don't have the experiences that other people would have in terms of like if I was queer and I was attracted to women like if that would uh if it would be the same as like the way I am now and like I'm attracted to men and I feel different about my relationships Mm. with men you know what I mean yeah no I understand because it's a very like heterocentric view that we have yeah so we can't really fathom like what it would be like if we were interested in all genders or you know that kind of thing like yeah so yeah it's interesting yeah because it would change obviously yeah i would love to hear from someone so that could be something cool to discuss in the future actually because when you think about it a lot of the uh friendships we see between male and female particularly are through that lens of one person is gay or a lesbian Mm. so therefore it kind of rules out the sexual attraction Mm. so it's just it's interesting now that i think about it because it does change it the dynamic Mm. like obviously but then there's no possibility of attraction there totally yeah that goes back to the girlfriend thing as well hey like when there's absolutely no chance that like something could happen it's often easier for a friendship to develop and also the fact that like for example asking a guy to hang out with you who like has a girlfriend and you only view him as a friend is a lot easier than asking a guy to hang out with you who doesn't have a girlfriend because often the presumption is if you are trying to hang out with someone who is of a gender that you are attracted to and you're asking them to hang out and they're single and you're single it's presumed that it's a date yeah rather than just a friendship yeah so maybe sure. that's a lot of where it comes from as well yeah honestly like i'm kind of even more confused than when we started yeah. of where i stand on this <laughs> like i don't even know my opinion at this point yeah. <laughs> um okay let's let's move on hmm. okay this is a really interesting one someone has asked i've recently ended a very toxic friendship do i say why or do i just walk away She's never accepted any responsibility for her actions and she always plays the victim. I'd like to stand up for myself, but I'm just not sure if it's worth it. I think this is really interesting because it is that concept of do I not say my piece and walk away and be the quote unquote bigger person Mm. and just let it be? Or do I, you know, get everything that I'm thinking and feeling out? Because a lot of the time it can feel almost more hurtful to not be able to tell someone how much they've hurt you if that makes sense so i definitely understand the the want and the need to to explain why someone's being toxic and why it's really 
you know, why you don't want to be friends with them anymore. But I also see the other hand where it's sometimes just easier and less anxiety inducing to walk away and not say anything. Yeah. And I think it's like so dependent on the person as well, because like I've had experiences where I have said something and just sort of explained myself also in the hope of helping them to better understand as well. Because it's like, Mm. even if this person has been a toxic friend to you, you know, you still obviously have cared about them in the past and might want to express like, this is why things have gone wrong for me in the hope that if they want to do work on themselves, they have that to sort of go off. And so sometimes in the past I have said things like, you know, this is why I feel this way. And this is why I feel like we're not compatible as friends anymore or whatever. And then other times I've just not said anything at all. So I think it's completely dependent on the person. Yeah. I think in a regular situation where you just think, you know, someone might not be aware of how they're treating you and like and you just don't want to be friends with them anymore i think in that situation it's always good to tell them because if they aren't aren't aware they're doing something wrong then they're going to be incredibly confused Mm. by you just not returning their texts or calls anymore Mm. and yeah like you said they're never going to have an opportunity to grow if they don't know if you don't explain totally but at the same time if this person has been really toxic and really manipulative and really kind of plagued the friendship for a while Mm. I do think that if it's going to be if it's going to put you more at ease to just walk away and be like okay I'm just going to leave it in the past I'm just going to move on I think that's probably the better idea although I will say that you could even just try explaining once and just say I'm not going to get into a fight I'm not going to get into an argument or a back and forth Mm. here's what I think and then if it turns into anything that's obviously like an argument or something, you can just be like, okay, well, let's just yeah, let's just go our separate ways. I think my opinion on this is definitely if the friendship is toxic to the point where you maybe don't feel like comfortable expressing yourself to this person because you feel like they might be, like you said, manipulative or they might be incredibly rude or they might try and start an argument. In those situations, I would just walk away. Mm-hmm. Um And then in situations where I feel like I still care about them and I know that they might have an open mind in some capacity and they maybe might take something from what I'm saying or you know that they're not the type of person who's going to get super like aggressive about it. In those situations is when I would explain myself and say Mm. that, you know, the reasons behind it and try and put it like nicely. So, yeah, I think it just depends. Like, in my opinion, if this person is toxic, which it clearly sounds like they are, I would leave it and move forward for people who have hurt you continuously even if after you've tried to explain how they've hurt you and what they've done and why and how you feel if they still don't get it then you're under no obligation to make them understand yeah okay we have another friend one do you ever get friend jealous i.e jealous of a friend having another friend i don't i have in the past okay yeah i feel like uh it all depends on where you're at in your own insecurity I think and I have been incredibly insecure in the past especially worse than I am now (laughs) I'm still quite insecure but in the past I've really uh have viewed my friend's need for another friend as the lack of what I have to provide if that makes sense like instead of viewing it as like this person just adds heaps of value to their life I've viewed it as like I lack value that's the best way to put it Yeah, you think it's a reflection of you. But if it's just pure jealousy of that person's hanging out with this new person and they seem to really like them and that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's something that probably is an insecurity kind of issue. So it's definitely hard to deal with. Mm. Yeah, but it comes back to reflecting on why you feel like why you feel less than because your friend has another friend. Yeah. And definitely like as I've gotten older and as I've come to more of a place of acceptance of the fact that like people just have other friends and that's just the way that it goes. I feel the same in myself, if that makes sense. Like with my friendships now, I don't feel like this incessant need to like, you know, make all my friends be friends as an example, Mm. because in the past I've like always tried to do that. Like there might be these two people who don't know each other at all and like don't have anything in common, (laughs) but I would try and bring them together is in this need to like include people because I've felt maybe like in the past felt jealous and things like this. And yeah, it all comes down to insecurity. Like now that I feel like confident in my friendships and confident in myself and the value that I bring to the lives of others, the jealousy is like non-existent. And I think that's something to acknowledge that comes with like growth and working on yourself. So perhaps if you're in the position of feeling, you know, insecure and feeling jealous about your friends hanging out with other people, 
maybe just take it as an opportunity to acknowledge like what you could work on moving forward and how to uh, improve the way that you feel, I guess, about yourself. Yeah. And I think it's also really important to understand that, especially in more adult relationships in terms like, you know, going through your 20s, like relationships do change naturally. Your 20s and your late teens are such an intense period of growth that it's kind of impossible not to have fluctuations in your friendships like even with your closest friends yeah just you know, talk a bit less at some points in your life or to you know be inseparable at other points or and it's just the dynamics do change and they do fluctuate over time and I think it's just really important to give your friends that space to be able to change and grow and explore and go through their own journey the way they the way they have to because you're going to do the same thing eventually as well. Like yeah. if you are learning and growing, you're naturally going to, you know, make new friends and you're going to have new experiences and you're not always going to have the same amount of time for the same friends all the time. It's just not kind of, it's just kind of not possible. Yeah, I actually want to use our good friend Stacey Lee as an example in this because Stacey Lee and I have been friends since we were 12 years old and I'm about to turn 27 and our relationship, our friendship has fluctuated so much over the years, right? We've had two years of our life where we didn't even talk to each other. We've had years where we've been super super close and seen each other every weekend and it's fluctuated over time but our friendship has maintained quite strong throughout all that time and I feel like that's because we both feel so secure in the friendship and the fact that we just both really really love each other and we really care for each other and I think it's a really good example of like a healthy adult relationship I personally feel very at peace with that like Mm. I have so many friends from high school who I'm quite close with and like now that I live up here I won't talk to them every week sometimes Mm. I'll talk to them once every couple of weeks or once a month like on the phone Mm. and obviously at one point I would have seen them every single day or Mm. even every weekend or after work and stuff like that but I think for those friendships, we all understand that we all have work or we all have uni and we all have our lives. We have partners, we have different friends and just being okay with that relationship changing over time and just going with the flow and catching up when you need to catch up. And if you do feel like calling them three times in a week, call them three times in a week. And then maybe some other months you'll get so busy that you'll call them once. And it's just, it's just very, very natural. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Here's a good one. What advice would you give to your younger 19-year-old selves? I love these types of questions. Interesting. Interesting. I think that I would give my 19-year-old self a bit of a pep talk and a bit of a hug. Mm. And I'd say, first of all, don't count calories. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, don't do that. Yeah. Just just try and eat better. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I'd say... Stop being so hard on yourself. And I'd tell her that in seven or eight years, you're going to look back and think you were fucking cute as fuck. <laughs> so maybe you should start thinking that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd probably honestly just tell her like everything's actually going to be fine. Like it's not going to be what you imagine it's going to be or that you really, really hope it's going to be. But it's going to be fine. In fact, mm. it's going to be more than fine. Mm. Um. 19 such a fucked up age oh it's i was so young so 19 young. is like i think it might be one of the most fucked up ages because you're you know out of high school typically mm. and unless you're very very in tune with what you want to do with your life slash have a great job mm. you're usually kind of just like in the beginning stages of figuring it out and that yeah. can either be like <laughs> the most horrifying or the most like freeing time of your life Mm. yeah what would you say to your 19 year old self I think the main thing that I would say to my 19 year old self is like stop trying to fit in places that you don't feel your authentic self Mm. because I spent a lot of my teens and early 20s trying to just fit into these boxes or fit into these identities of the people around me uh, that never felt true to who I actually was and I felt like I had to look a certain way and act a certain way and be a certain way in order to be liked and I think that that's something I've learned so much as I've gotten older is the fact that I feel really true to myself now and people love me for who I am and I'm around people who I genuinely love and genuinely care about and I think that that's been like one of the biggest things to come out of the past two years for me. 
I love that question. Mm. Okay, this one's a funny one, mm. but I still think that we should answer it. Yeah. How do you cope with eventually dying? I don't. I frequently have these incredibly horrifying, intrusive thoughts about the fact that I am going to die one day and so is everyone I'm going to love. Yeah. And look, let's be honest, it's a horrifying, horrifying reality. Mm. I don't think there's an answer to this one because I think most honestly, most humans probably struggle with this to some degree. It's such a fucked up reality. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually like we've never really gotten into my mental health journey like fully. We will get into it eventually. But the main thing for me with my anxiety stemmed from the fact that I got to this age where I realized that I was going to die one day and it's actually kind of random that I can even talk about it now without getting upset because I used to literally not be able to talk about it think about it anything like about dying about dying like I would have like full panic attacks like I still don't know how to deal with the idea that I'm gonna die and especially that all the people I love are gonna die at some point like it's a very very harsh reality to accept it but I think the main thing that I try and focus on like when I feel this way is instead of focusing on the fact that I'm going to die, I focus on the fact that I'm alive, if that makes sense. And this Mm. is something I learned in therapy years and years ago was almost this idea that like death is just a part of life and like we are born and we die and we don't know what happens next. And my therapist said this to me one day and something about what she said just really like made me have this like acceptance about it. And it's actually, (laughs) this is like kind of a cheesy thing for me to say, but I love the TV show Survivor. Love it so much. And I really love Survivor. Anyway, the point is that there's this one season where was there was this guy on it called David and he was a highly socially anxious, just anxious person in general. And he was like in his early 40s. Can relate. <laughs> Not to the 40s part. <laughs> just his whole persona was basically anxiety, right? And he came onto Survivor basically saying like, I got to this age where I'm in my 40s and I've realized that I spent my whole life being afraid of death, that I became afraid of life. Mm -hmm. And he said that. And when I watched it, it fully hit home for me that like, if you spend your time fearing the fact that you're going to die, you might prevent yourself from living your most authentic, full life. And when I heard that and when I had this moment in therapy, I thought to myself, I really just want to focus this energy on like, spending my life doing what I love the truth about most anxiety and most anxious thoughts is that you can't change them by worrying like worrying literally doesn't change a single thing yeah but it is especially especially true for death because beyond making sure that you are you know healthy and and um you know going to the doctors every now and then and everything like that there's really not much else you can do and that's both a scary reality and Mm. almost like a freeing one it's kind of peaceful in a sense well it's just that it's so out of your control and i think if you kind of just sit back into that Mm. you can just get on with living Mm. and i mean that is also to say like 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 i just said before i still randomly think about the fact that i'm going to die one day and i'm like what the fuck is that gonna feel like yeah what is that what does that mean (laughs) where am i gonna go what's gonna happen what isn't it wild? We're going to be triggering so many people right now, but like, isn't it wild that like one day we will just not exist and we have no idea I know. what that's going to feel like? It's so weird. Like, is it literally like, like I'm going to have an existential yeah, we can't, crisis we can't on this continue. podcast, so <laughs> maybe we can't continue, but basically understand that everyone to an extent is probably afraid of death, mm. but like Ducky just said, focus on living. Mm try and pull yourself out of those dark thoughts when you have them Mm. and remind yourself that right now things are fine maybe give your loved one a call yeah and also if this is something that you're struggling with consider going to therapy as well yes good to talk always Mm. okay here's another question what boundaries do you have with each other what would you not talk about what are your boundaries in general with other people such as things you don't want to talk about or that you think are too personal this is a really interesting question Yes. Because I may reflect on what my boundaries are. Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of the time we put up boundaries without even realizing we're doing it, which mm. is not a bad thing, but it's just something that happens. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I mean, I'm happy to go first, but I actually don't even know what my boundaries are, especially in terms of like our friendship, because I feel like I would talk to you about pretty much anything. Yeah. What I was going to say is that I definitely, with my close friends, I pretty much would say and do anything in yeah. front of them. Like, there's truly not 
a single thing that I can think of that I wouldn't mention. No. Um, if in terms of boundaries, I mean, you can talk about boundaries in terms of like, you know, if you're not ready to talk about something, like I always respect like my general feelings around an issue. Like, you know, sometimes you do need to push yourself to open up. Like we're talking about in our therapy episode, sometimes you have like worries or fears or you're stressed about something and to push yourself to open up is really, really helpful. Mm. But sometimes you just simply aren't ready to talk about something or you just don't feel like talking about something. And I think being in tune with that, being in tune with when you should open up Mm. and when you should just accept the fact that maybe you need a little bit of time to sit with your thoughts around something. Yeah. Knowing the difference and respecting that in yourself is really important. Yeah. And then that's kind of the same with, you know, I could meet a random person to like a friend of a friend and sometimes I'd feel like totally comfortable and I'd say anything to them. Mm. But then all the time I wouldn't. And I, and I just kind of like naturally, I guess, suss the situation. Yeah. And like, I don't feel bad for putting up boundaries where, no, where, wherever I want them. Like it does, it really doesn't matter. Like someone could ask you the most basic question. If you don't feel like answering it, cause it's a boundary for you. Mm. You just don't feel like talking about that day. Don't answer it. Like just be like, Oh, I don't really want to talk about that. Yeah. I think that you and I both have a lot of just really healthy friendships in our life. And so in terms mm. of our friendships, we, feel quite comfortable talking about things that we want to talk about but then also not talking about things if we don't feel like talking about them Mm. I think a boundary that I've had to set in the past and I'm sort of like still working on in some capacity is I really struggle to say no if people ask me to hang out Mm. and I sort of feel like if I have free time I should spend it with people and that's a boundary that I'm trying to like really implement is the fact that you know I maybe don't have the time to see a friend twice in one week or something like mm. that. But even when I've expressed this to like a couple of friends, like I'm feeling really socially exhausted, things like this, and I talk about it openly, then they're entirely respectful of that boundary and the fact that I just can't prioritize that at that time. So mm. I feel like when it comes to boundaries, it's a lot of the time about how openly and honestly you can communicate with someone and communicate what your boundaries are. At the end of the day, you're allowed to do anything for yourself that you need. Mm. Like if it's not going to affect anyone else, you have you are completely within your right to do it if it's what's best for you yeah and that also goes with you know talking about how you're feeling because mm. your thoughts are your own your emotions are your own and you have no obligation to share them if you don't want to yeah whether totally. it's with your best friend or, or a stranger you just met mm. it doesn't matter i feel like in terms of boundaries the only boundaries i've had in the past have been like more in romantic relationships of like things that i don't feel like open to discussing like new in relationships and things like that um but I feel like that's just stuff that's like close to home but in terms of like friendships I feel like when I when I am really really close with someone and I consider them one of my best friends then I find it hard to not talk (laughs) Mm -hmm. openly about things that are going on for me yeah I'm definitely the same (laughs) okay I have a really good question and I love this one (laughs) Why is losing your virginity such a big deal? And why is there a must complete by a certain age stigma? This person said must complete by 18, but I do think that can kind of vary depending on your friend group and what community you're in, where probably in the where in the world you are. So, you know, whatever age that you feel the pressure to lose your virginity by. Yeah. Let me start. Okay. Virginity does not exist. Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> Virginity is a social construct designed to shame women into not having sex or into having sex. Once again, depending on where you live and what communities you're in. Mm. So let's just start with that. (laughs) Can I share my experience with this? So my experience with this was in high school and I had quite a big group of friends and virginity was something that got discussed a lot. Interesting. It wasn't, that was not the same experience for me. Right. Our high school experiences were quite different, yeah. weren't they? So basically the reason why it was discussed a lot and was very present for me was that I was one of the last girls in my friendship group to lose my virginity. And I felt this like incessant pressure mm. to lose my virginity And I also knew that a lot of the boys that I went to school with and that ran in my friendship group felt this incessant need to take my virginity. Which is just so disgusting because 
Why do I even start? It's just disgusting. I mean, the fact that even one of my male friends in high school thought that I was going to lose my virginity to his friend and so called me and told me that he always thought that I would lose my virginity to him. So please don't do it with this other guy. So it's manipulation wrapped up in misogyny. We love that. Double whammy. (laughs) So here's the thing. I think that kind of perfectly sums up what this person's asking. Like for you in high school, your virginity was a big deal, whether you had it and whether you didn't have it. Mm. And I think for women, it's a double-edged sword because if you had had sex when you were 15 or 16, Mm. I'm sure at some stage you probably would have been called a slut or something Mm. like that. Oh, 100%. I can remember girls in my high school who were very sexually active and were sexually active with multiple men being called sluts. Yeah. So on the one hand, women are expected to have sex. Mm. because you're a prude if you don't and you're you know frigid fucking hate that word hate that but word. it's but it's just a word that i mean i think it probably is more in our generation that was used and maybe the ones a bit older but mm. i don't know if the kids these days still use that <laughs> word let's hope they don't it's horrifying um but you know like you are judged for not being like fun or cool enough to have sex mm. but then if you do have sex you're a slut yeah and it, there's just there's, this is the thing when it comes to virginity in women, the goalposts are constantly changing. You can't win. Yeah. You there there is and even honestly even it doesn't <laughs> hate to break it to you guys to all you ladies but it kind of doesn't get easier as you get older. <laughs> like it still sucks. Like even when you're in your twenties, like it's still like oh like you can have sex in this way but not in this way and like certain people will think that you will think that you're you know less. I don't know, cool if you do this Mm. and more cool if you do this. Like you really just can't win. Yeah. And I definitely feel like throughout my life, that present thing of like it being a challenge to have sex with me has been so present and so annoying because it's like, just because someone doesn't want to have sex with someone at the drop of the hat doesn't mean it's like a challenge for you to like keep trying. No, because you're not a prize. No, I mean you're a prize, but you're not a you're not an object. You're not a you're not a trophy. No, your virginity, like virginity, doesn't like I said, doesn't exist. It's not a tangible thing. You can't take it. It's also why are we saying taking virginity? Like, mm. ill. <laughs> I have so many thoughts on this, so I think we should I think we should kind of wrap this question up because yeah. we can do a whole episode on it. But at the end of the day, like, it's a big deal because there is this constant need to judge women by any measure that we possibly can yeah and sex is one of the biggest ways that we judge and control young women and women of all ages definitely and i would actually love if there are uh people of any other gender listening to the Mm. podcast and you have any uh knowledge or want to share your experience with us maybe that we could share in the podcast um on an episode where we talk about this kind of thing we would love to hear from you because we obviously only speak from our experiences as women and yeah we'd love to hear from the experiences of others yeah and if you don't feel comfortable you know sending a voice memo or putting your name to something you can still send us a message and we won't put your name on and we can just read out you know what your thoughts are yeah and we obviously will respect your privacy and we won't say who it's from yeah so that's just something to think about because we would i would really love to hear yeah like different people of different orientations different genders mm. what they think different communities like i imagine growing up in like a religious community it would be quite yeah. the opposite like you know you'd be very very judged for having sex in some in some capacity yeah. for some communities um yeah i'd be super interested in hearing other people have to say yeah Okay, this leads us perfectly into the next question. <laughs> Do you know which one this is? No. What is the best way to empower women in a patriarchal society? Right, I'm just going to throw it right back to you for this one because I feel like you're the most educated on this kind of thing. I'll just throw my two cents if I think of yeah. anything. So this one's really hard because we do live in a patriarchal society We live in a society that, like we just said before with the virginity thing, there's so many different ways that women are judged and that we have, you know, pressure put on us and expectations. And I think whether you're a man or a woman, um, no matter what gender you are, you have a responsibility to lift women up. And in saying this, like this is obviously centered on feminism slash women's empowerment, but there's obviously many other movements about different uh, minorities and different people who are um, oppressed 
throughout the world. So this, this kind of goes for everything, but in particular, we're talking about women right now. So I think personally, the thing that I do in my day-to-day life is that I try to unlearn all those really sexist, internalized, misogynistic thoughts, which is really hard. It's something I've been working on for years and I still have them. Sometimes I still find myself thinking something not so great about another woman. But the thing is, is that, you know, first of all, I catch myself before I say it. And then I would, I would examine like why I, th- I think that way, like what part of myself this is coming from. And then, you know, it's about taking the responsibility onto yourself and not feeding into that narrative, whatever it is, you know, whatever judgment you've got or whatever, um, whatever thing that you're thinking about a woman that isn't fair. Um, and I think another big thing is just lifting other women up. So just whether it's your friends or like people you see online, like different influences, just being really supportive and being really kind and understanding that there is a million infinite different ways that women exist and every single one is, is valid and every single one deserves love and compassion and to be whoever they they want to be. Mm. So yeah, I think it, I, it's really hard because I think it does come down to just like doing little things in your everyday life to empower the women that you interact with. And even though I hate saying this, because especially if you're a woman, I really just hate the idea of women having to educate other men. But, you know, if you're sitting in a group setting and you feel, and someone says something that's really problematic or really sexist and you feel comfortable Mm. to say something, say something. And this especially goes for men. I think that men have such a huge responsibility in this. I think that there's too much of a culture where where men just kind of sit back and think like, oh, I'm not going to laugh at that or I'm not going to agree with that, but you know, I don't have to say anything. And that's just not true because the only way that things get better, the only way that really problematic ideas and common beliefs kind of stop is when someone says, hang on, why are you saying that? Right. What do you think? I mean, I entirely agree. I feel like the most simple way, especially for someone who is – quite new and maybe like unlearning things and learning new things I feel like the simple place to start is consciously empowering women in your day-to-day life Mm. like I think that that's a really really beautiful place to start and yeah it's something that I'm I'm still unlearning a, a lot of things that I feel like especially during high school I was taught about like I said it takes so long because the truth is, is that from like the moment that we actually, as women, from the moment that we actually start existing in the world as, you know, like a female and people start interacting with us on that level, we are taught different things. Like we're literally taught it from the second we start getting toys as kids or how we start getting dressed as babies and stuff like that. So it's, I, and, I, and this is another thing, it's like I think it is being compassionate and empathetic towards people who don't get it right all the time because you don't want to like attack a woman who says something a little bit wrong or like Mm. makes a wrong statement because the thing is is that everyone's learning yeah and there's a difference between someone who is being deliberately problematic and not self-aware and unapologetic and someone who just makes a mistake yeah and i think we need to to educate people and to move forward we need to be willing to help other people learn more Mm. and grow without telling them their shit and we hate them and you're you know you're sexist and you're never not going to be sexist that kind of thing yeah okay i have one for ducky now that i've just taken up like basically two questions (laughs) this is one that i actually can't answer so how do you deal with having crushes on other people during relationships oh i really really enjoyed this question i yeah love this question so For context, I have had two long-term committed relationships and I've had probably five relationships in total. I personally think that it is entirely natural to have crushes on other people when you're in a relationship and it's about your choice of whether you act on it or not. Mm. I would, as someone who has never never been in a relationship, I would tend to agree with that in terms of just like my common sense tells me that just because you're with someone doesn't mean you're not going to find someone else attractive or have a little like harmless crush on someone and like you just said it's just about whether you act on it emotionally or physically 
And it's about acknowledging like where that crush is coming from. Is that crush coming from a space of I'm super fucking unhappy in my relationship and this other person that I'm friends with or maybe work with or whatever is someone who I feel like could actually add value to my life? Or is it just that you're happy in your relationship and you happen to be attracted to someone Mm. else? Because I think that there's a really, really big difference. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. So that's from your end of someone who had the crush. Mm. How do you think you should deal with it if you think that your boyfriend or your partner has a crush? I think I would take it very hard and it has happened to me in the past. Like I've been cheated on in the past so I completely, you know, know the space that this comes from and I've experienced when I like – knew my boyfriend had a crush on someone else or was like chatting to someone else or whatever and I was uncomfortable with it and I think it just all comes down to the fact of are you in a happy relationship that you feel safe and secure in because in that space in that time in my life I was in a relationship that I deemed happy at the time and I really really loved that person but I definitely didn't feel secure and especially didn't feel secure in who I was as a person and the value that I was bringing to the relationship. I feel like this is something that once again comes down to insecurity, which is something that clearly I talk about a lot and has been something that has been very present in my life. And I think that now if I was in a relationship with someone and they had a crush on someone and I knew about it, I would still feel this like niggle of like jealousy and insecurity, but it definitely wouldn't be as present as it was back in the day. Mm. Again, this comes from me who like I've only been in monogamous long-term relationships where we were only committed to one another. And so in those kind of relationships, you, you know, you're not supposed to be involved with anyone else. You're not supposed to be attracted to someone else. And we've also been taught our entire life that if you're in a relationship with someone, you shouldn't be attracted to someone else. But I had this great conversation with a friend like maybe a year ago where we talked about the fact that people choose to stay together they may Mm -hmm. be attracted to other people but they choose to stay loyal and stay committed to their partner because that's what they're committed to and it's a conscious thing and I feel like for me personally in the past when I've been attracted to other people when I have been in relationships it's again come from a place of insecurity in my own relationship Mm. so I think that's what it comes down to for me personally like I feel like the next time I'm in a committed monogamous relationship with someone it will be because I am choosing that I want to be with that person and that they want to be with me like it's not just some like we're in a relationship just you know and I get what I'm trying to say yeah for sure and I think beyond that and this is kind of a sidestep but when you enter a relationship fully accepting of yourself and fully comfortable with yourself and feeling more confident than you were previously you are naturally not going to care as much when they are friends with you know someone who they might be attracted to if they do have a little bit of a crush or you know if there is someone in their life that of the you know the same person that the same sex that they're attracted to it just all comes down to with these kind of things like in terms of like feeling jealous in relationships and feeling jealous in friendships it's the same thing like if you are secure and confident in yourself and in the relationship you share with that person then I think these things shouldn't matter and I know that there's a lot of taboo around the idea that like you can't be attracted to other people but like hello I'm 27 right now let's just say I meet the love of my life tomorrow and I get married at fucking 32 or something like this (laughs) (laughs) let's just say that that happens and I live until I'm 92 that's 60 years you think in 60 years in 32 years well even in 27 years right now I have been attracted to so many people Mm. you're telling me that in another 60 years of my life I'm never going to be attracted to another person never have a crush on another person no it's the fact that I will choose to be committed to the person that I say that I'm going to be committed to yes and this is all to to say that we're talking about a crush that doesn't cross any boundaries of mm. yours, that, you know, isn't cheating emotionally or physically, mm. that is literally just a, a little bit of a schoolgirl slash schoolboy crush. Like It's just a little crush. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't imagine how awful our <laughs> voices are going to sound. Um, yeah. So keep all that in mind with the fact that if you – feel very much like someone's crossing a boundary of yours in your relationship obviously that's worth talking to them about Mm. but when it comes to just 
having a little tiny crush i think i think it's fine it's very natural yeah we're not talking about cheating in any capacity we will do a whole episode on cheating at some point let me tell you i have a lot to say we will i have nothing to say (laughs) i mean i have some things to say but it's not an experience (laughs) okay this is a good question that we get all the time and we are going to do an entire episode dedicated on friendships Mm -hmm. making friends toxic friendships going apart from friends literally everything you can think of about friendships yeah but this person has asked how do I know when a friendship is toxic? If they're making you feel negative towards yourself, if they're bringing out qualities in yourself, like negative traits in yourself that you feel like you've never seen before, if you're feeling manipulated by them in any capacity, pretty much if you feel this like energy, I can't describe it other than like, I know when I've met a friend, or not when I've met a friend, but I know when I get to this point in a friendship with someone and it's gone toxic, I can like feel it. Well, yeah, that makes sense because something just doesn't feel right. Yes. Well, the word toxic literally means like something that can make you unwell. So it's it's a friendship that just makes you not feel good. Yeah. And that's not to say that you can't overcome, you know, certain issues with friends and have like a very respectful relationship. But if someone's being manipulative, like Ducky just said, or if they're pressuring you into something off they're bringing out – bad qualities in you for whatever reason or if you're doing that to them yeah. i feel like that's actually something that never gets spoken about is how to identify when you're the toxic person yeah i mean yeah that's a whole other thing but it's just about identifying i guess how this person who supposedly is meant to love and care for you makes you feel and whether that's worth what you're getting from it absolutely and i think that like when we talk about feeling like safe and feeling comfortable and things like this like there are two avenues to it like it could have something to do with you or it could have something to do with the other person and the way that they're treating you and I think that that's something very important to remember and important to acknowledge like maybe if you're feeling a negative kind of way about the friendship is it like okay am I jealous am I feeling insecure am I feeling sad uh no if all those things are no okay so what is this other person doing that's affecting me maybe take note of like their behavior and the way that their behavior makes you feel things like this like I think I've really noticed in the past especially when a friendship is toxic is when they don't respect my boundaries in any capacity when I say how I feel and they choose to ignore that I think that is a very very good sign of a toxic friendship and of someone who clearly Uh, highly prioritizes themselves yes and when they can't self-reflect you know because in a friendship in a especially in a good friendship you need to be able to communicate and you need to be able to say hey and like this isn't any friendship like me and you ducky like we've had times we've said hey this makes me feel x like yeah and we've just and and obviously because we are not a toxic friendship and we are good people who love each other we say okay yeah like let's talk about that Mm. how can I not do that or let's let's understand and unpack why you're feeling that way Mm. and like what we can do if you're having that conversation or you're trying to have that conversation with someone and they are not self-reflecting or you know if they are just not self-aware and they're not able to see how their actions are bad towards Mm. you and how they can affect you that's a huge sign that it's not a very healthy friendship and then it's also a huge sign if you just genuinely feel like you can't even ask it yeah if you feel like you can't possibly ask your friend an honest question or voice your honest thoughts that's a huge that huge is, red flag yeah and i think the thing is that a lot of the time we um, make more excuses in our friendships for people than we do for when we're in relationships with people when in reality they are quite similar yeah i mean we always think about, you know, breaking up with partners, like, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends, but breaking up with a friend is rarely, if ever, talked about. Yeah, and I think the thing is that we, you know, if we talk about the behaviour of a friend, but we pretend that they're in a romantic relationship with us, a lot of their behaviour wouldn't be okay. Mm. But because they're your friend, you kind of make excuses for it. And I yeah. think that this is very, very present. So perhaps if you're struggling to identify whether your friendship is toxic, maybe think about it that way. If I was in a committed romantic relationship with this person, would their behaviour be acceptable? If the answer mm. is no, then you've got your answer. Yeah. Okay, so for our final question, we have been asked, what does it mean when someone continues chatting with you but takes a long time to reply? I have a lot of opinions on this. Yeah, so just to clarify, 
I think this person was asking in the context of, you know, when you're interested in someone, when you're talking to them and you're kind of trying to suss the vibe, whether they're interested in you back and they're talking to you consistently, but they are not replying quickly slash often. Yeah, that's what I presumed from what this person yeah. was saying as well. So hopefully we interpreted correctly. Regardless, hopefully it will be a good unprofessional yeah. opinion. <laughs> My opinion on this is kind of simple and it's kind of something that I wish that I had heard about hmm two years ago I think the biggest thing that I've learned in dating in my 20s is that if someone is interested in you you will know and I think that a lot of the time we make excuses for people's behavior like I know that I one time was like involved with someone who went overseas and I made excuses for them not messaging me for eight weeks whilst they were overseas and convinced myself that they were still interested in me and made excuses for, you know, what they were doing. And I understand that technology isn't everything and like communicating through message isn't everything. But if you are like interested in someone or you're dating someone who has a smartphone and they use that smartphone in your presence in even once... I think you know that they use their smartphone enough to text you back if they wanted to text you back. Yeah, and obviously, like, people can, you know, if they go to work or if they're on a holiday or if they're, you know, with friends, like, they're not going to have time to immediately respond. Yeah, there's a difference between them not having time for whatever reason because they're a bit busy every now and then and they take a little bit longer to reply and them consistently just not prioritising talking to you and, um, you know, connecting with you in some way and... You can't expect someone to constantly be messaging you, even if you are that type of person. Like, you know, if you are someone who wants to constantly be messaging someone, you can't necessarily expect someone else to do that. No. But at the same time, it is a red flag if they are just interested, like allegedly. Yeah. But not putting the effort in. Yeah. And like we've said, not everyone is someone who is on their phone all the time and has the time to be texting that much, right? But in my experience... Like I mentioned before, if someone is interested in me, they have always made it known. And everyone that I have ever dated who has like been interested in like maybe just having sex with me or seeing me casually has been useless at replying and only replied to me on their own time and not made seeing me or talking to me a priority. And people who actually wanted to date me and were interested in me uh, replied as quickly as I did. And I like to think about it in the sense that I think about the way that I act when I'm interested in someone, right? Is that I will usually show that I'm interested in some capacity. I will message them back, not super efficiently, maybe like maybe I'm working or something or I'm with my friends, but I will make a conscious effort to put in the effort and also communicate like, oh, I'm just going to be at the beach all day today. Might not be on my phone, but hope you have a good day. Mm. You know what I mean? And first of all, that is what I would like in someone that I am dating is that, you know, communication. So yeah, you know, that's something also to consider as well. But the fact is that I think that, like I said, in my experience, if someone has been as interested in me as I am in them, they have communicated in the exact same way that I have. Yeah. I think what we said a couple of episodes ago, which is in our dating episode, what was it called again? Oh, Han, take off those rose-colored. Oh, yeah. Han, take off those rose-colored glasses. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Um, what we said in that episode was you take their actions rather than their word. Yes. So, you know, if they're not replying to you, not putting the effort, but you know when they are replying to you, they're being like, "Oh, I really like you," and they're being really sweet and everything. That's if their actions aren't aligning with their words, that's a red flag. I completely agree. Completely, completely. And agree. I think in this case, that's something that, you know, if they're not messaging back, if they're, you know, never prioritizing connecting with you, mm. then that's something that's not aligning. Yeah. And it's a hard reality to accept a lot of the time. Like when I've dated people and they've been like this and I've been like so disappointed, like there's nothing worse than waiting by the phone, like all day waiting for someone to text you back. Like it sucks so much. And it's a harsh reality to give to yourself and also to give to your friends. Like when you see a friend going through this, you're like, oh my fucking God. Mm. Like, wow. I really remember what that felt like. So yeah, it's just something to acknowledge. And also the fact that, you know, we should have standards of ourselves in the sense that we shouldn't make excuses for the way that someone's behaving if we feel like it's not in alignment with us. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned as well. Yeah. And you have every right to put up that boundary. Like if you want someone who can talk to you a lot and like put in that effort, 
you're allowed to you're allowed to want that and you're allowed to seek that out mm-hmm. some people can't give that to you and that's fine it's just a lack of compatibility and that's okay exactly um so it's about finding someone who can give you what you need yeah yeah love that that's actually kind of a really nice place to end the episode to be honest yeah it is <laughs> um so yeah we're gonna leave it there for today make sure you let us know what you thought of this episode mm. if you liked it if you want to you know hear this kind of format every month or so we'd be really happy to answer questions like this like I really liked how relaxed this episode was and yeah obviously we feel very like natural in most when recording most episodes but um I don't know it's fun to like, kind of go into different topics yeah absolutely and actually something that we're looking in doing uh soon is to have guests on the podcast and we've got a couple of people that we're going to reach out to but we'd love to hear from you if there are any people that you think would be really cool for us to have on the podcast especially about things we've mentioned uh it would be really cool to have some people of color and members of the lgbtqi plus community on uh the podcast yeah if there's anyone you recommend to us we would love to hear from you and get some really cool people on to chat yeah we want to hear from people who basically aren't like us because like we've said a million times we represent like the most privileged (laughs) the most privileged basic part of society so we'd love to hear more uh perspectives and different opinions on things yeah so with that in mind make sure you subscribe to us or Mm. follow us on spotify i think it is yeah leave us a review if you have time cheeky five stars would be nice would be be lovely yeah um yeah and follow us on instagram tbh.pod i'm at amanda ducks as in amanda duck with an s on the end I love how you always clarify that. Do you think anyone hears you wrong? I don't know. I don't know. And Cara is on Instagram at Cara R. Reedy. Don't forget the R in the middle. (laughs) Thank you for joining us and tune in next week. Thank you. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye.